0: And, um, but my goal here is, def- is, is definitely to de- just inspire us to respond to God's word affirmatively. It's just when, when Jesus says go, we say yes sir. And uh, whatever he's calling you to do in life in this year or whatever things that you've started off as a result of your relationship with him, things that new things he wants you to do, old things he wants you to stop, whatever he's calling you that you would add his word, you would respond and say yes Lord. So let's get into today's word let me pray before we start that. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit today, you will just make whatever I say make sense to people here, Father. I pray that you take these, these words and add your life to it um, and that people's hearts will be transformed. People's uh, minds will be transformed. I pray that people will be encouraged and uh, inspired to follow you no matter what the cost, no matter what the situation. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's read, read a, a portion of scripture in Luke 5. So the following, And Simon said to him, which is Jesus, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Can we all just say, at your word, I will At your word, I will let down the net. Now think about this little story that's, you know, just going down here. I don't know. How many of you have gone fishing before on a boat? Okay, good. How many of you have done that through the night? All right. All right. Good. Now, how many of you did that when it wasn't hot outside? Cold outside. All right. Some really hardcore fishermen here. Awesome. I've done a little bit of that. Um, I haven't done it when it was cold. But even when I came back from that, I know what it feels like if you come off a boat and you've been fishing a whole long time. And I also know what it feels like when you didn't catch anything. It's like, you know, you get back to camp and everyone's like, hey, did you get anything? He's just like, leave us alone. I'm like, but what, 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 what happened? We don't speak of that. You know, it's not a pretty picture when you come back from a fishing trip and you haven't done anything. Well, these guys have been out all night. They've been fishing. And when they're wet, you know, they had to face the elements. They've had to the You know, they've been weathered by the elements. They've been uh, frustrated at each other. And they're probably blaming each other. It's like, it's because you dropped the anchor down wrong, man. It's like, you scared the fish away when you hit the reef that hard. Or, or you know, they've probably been, hey, you folded the the are not wrong. The, the, the hook came off, for the who, why didn't you bind the net properly? The, the net came loose, and we lost the, we lost the little catch that we could have gotten. My, my father-in-law, my father went out for to a fishing trip one night, and they came back, and literally all they caught was a little flying fish that flew into the into somebody's throat. <laughs> They're just like, what is this? Oh, it's the only catch of the day. Um, it doesn't always work out that great when we go fishing and it didn't for these guys for certain and they were i mean they were just ready to be done with the day and guess what happens the word of god inconveniences them in the most significant way they're like on their way out they're like oh finally we're reaching the shore we can get out we can you know put the nets away we can just get dry we can get warm and jesus says hold on don't get out yet <laughs> <They're> like what <laughs> hey start catching fish a little was <laughs> like are you serious we've just been curious all the and uh um at least luckily simon you know he's at that point where he's kind of venturing out to do stuff when jesus tells him to do it and so he's like okay lord you know we have been doing this so i'm just letting you know but at your word i'll do it again and you know the story right they, they just catch this incredible catch of fish and um and The story concludes with with just, you know, a whole lot of, you know, sermons being preached about it. But all I'm meaning to say about this today is that, hey, these guys responded to the word of God and it led to an, an incredible happening. It led to an incredible provision. It led to an incredible salvation of their situation at that time. And you know what's interesting about this is it's not that, you know, fish are either in one place. So if you don't catch them out deep, you can come back shallow and you'll catch them. It's not like it's a principle. There's no formula to be drawn from this. There's no like, okay, you've been doing it wrong. You need to go out, act like you're doing something and come back. And when you're back, you need to let down your nets because that's when you will catch stuff. It's not a formula. This is literally just a moment where the earth responded to the word of God. They didn't catch the fish because... They were doing it wrong, and then Jesus said to them how to do it right. They just caught the fish because he said to do it at that point of time. They were just obeying the word of God, and because they obeyed, it worked. Not because there was some magic formula behind the whole situation. If you want to draw a formula, it's at your word, Lord, I will respond. So those fish literally were there because Jesus said, They need to be there. They responded, and then the guys caught them. And it's amazing to just think about the response of nature to the word of God. Right from the beginning, nature started, the heavens and the earth started responding to the word of God. That's how everything came into existence, right? God said, and stuff started happening. And stuff started forming, and things started getting in place. Nature responded to the word of God. There's an argument, it's called the Kalam Cosmological Argument, and it goes like this. Very simple. It says, whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, because that's a proven scientific fact. Therefore, the universe had a cause. Something caused it to take place. To form to start to exist now this is a really good argument because where else do we come from now scientists come up with all sorts of reasons and ways to explain our existence no one they can't really say why we exist the ever because science can't explain a why question but the bottom line is they do give exi- they do give a lot of explanations of how but one thing they're still struggling to really start expl- properly explaining is Is this uh, argument that the universe is extremely fine-tuned in such to such degree that for this to take place with natural, unguided chance occurrences is literally impossible? So, how many of you've heard of this argument called the fine-tuning of the universe? All right, some people have heard about this. Here's essentially what it goes what it's about you know science teaches about a whole lot of stuff you right gravity matter um you know just the sun the solar system and and, and all these facts and you know things about unless you're believing in an, a flat earth situation which i hope there's nobody here but moving on moving on kill that rabbit um there are a whole lot of constants that keeps us where we are and keeps us what we are in the universe. The fact that we are a body of matter that formed a earth planet that could have become a habitable zone for people to survive in. Took a whole lot of um, physical constants that needed to be finally dialed in in relation to one another in order for this to be all to be possible. You just think about your breathing right now. You're breathing around about 21% of oxygen and 78% of nitrogen and 1% other. There's always the other. Um, Just that ratio. It's not just a random ratio. It's a very specific ratio that actually allows our bodies to operate properly. If you think about the gravitational force that allowed for matter to come together and form physical planets if that force was too strong things would have crushed into each other and would not uh, stay stay in a, in, a, in a steady state where it could be used for something if it was too little it would just remain gas it would just remain uh, a, a fluctuating matter It'd come together go away if you think about the distance the sun we're from the sun it's not just random, everybody. It is specifically placed so that there's enough heat and there's enough uh, coolness for the earth to have seasons. And, and just also the tilt of the earth that, that helps with the seasons. And, 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 and there's another thing like gravity, right? If gravity has changed a percentile that is literally 0.0 and then you add another 36 zeros and then you add a 1%, if it's changed by that little bit, Everything changes. We're not able to be any longer. Now, there are over a hundred such constants that need to be in place. Now, think about this. It's not just that they are in place. It's that they're dialed into one another. So, every single one is dialed into the over a hundred other. If you change one, you need to change all hundred others for everything to be able to exist. And you have to do that over and over and over until they're all set perfectly towards one another in order for life to be able to be sustained on earth that is intense fine tuning intense fine tuning we're in our solar system in an area called an habitable zone meaning that if our planet was any closer to the sun the, to the center of our solar system there would be so much meteorite activity that our earth would just be busted to pieces if we were any further away there wouldn't be enough heat for us to be sustained For life to be sustained. So we're in exactly the right spot in our solar system to sustain life. Every little one of these little bits of information points to a fact that the heavens and the earth has responded to a cause. It has responded to a transcendent being. A being that is outside of this reality that has the ability to sustain things by the word of his power. Bible says that God has set the stars in place and he calls them by name. Psalms 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. The heavens and the earth respond to the glory, to the word of God. And that causes life. Responding to the word of God causes life. Think about what that means for you here today, for us. All right, let's move on. Let's look at some people. Let's look at how this impacts our lives here on earth. Point number two that I want to make is that the saints of old responded to the word of God. The Bible is full of stories. I just chose three to talk about today. Of people that responded to God's word. And I mean the Bible is full of stories of imperfect people. That responded in imperfect ways to the word of God. But responded nonetheless. And in the end through God's sovereignty and through God's amazing grace. Those situations worked out for the good of those who were involved think about noah god told noah build a boat and noah said yes lord he started building his boat when he was in his early 500s let that sink in a bit. and then the bible says literally 100 years about 100 years different theories, but about approximately 100 years or a little bit more it took him to build and complete that boat You'll also read in the Bible that they were mocked for building this boat. Now, I don't know if they didn't know what a boat was for, whether they didn't use boats back then or whatnot. But the bottom line is that Noah was mocked to pieces for building this boat. I mean, think about being, you know, the punchline of every joke at every barbecue for 100 years. That's some serious, serious persecution. And yet they had to endure that, him and his family. Think about being the son of the father who made this decision. Think about what it meant for you to respond to your father's relationship with God and just obey your father because your father said that the Lord said. Sometimes it takes a little endurance to respond to the word of God. But what did this lead to? It led to the salvation of that family. Let's think about Abraham for a bit. Genesis 12, 4 says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Now, it's interesting to note that when God did tell him to do this, God just said to him, I need you to leave your family and go to a land that I will show you. Not a land that I have shown you, a land that I will show you. So I was reading this and I'm thinking to myself, Okay, so which way do I start, Lord? <laughs> it's like, "Do I've I got my bags. packed them, ready to go. Uh, where do I go? Just go. I'll show you. Is this the right way? No, maybe, no. It's kind of weird because God didn't tell him, okay, now go to this city and then to that city and then to that city. God just said to him, just move away. Just move out. Sometimes we get a word from God and it's not very clear where we need to go and what we need to do. But we know that he has spoken to us. And the best thing to do is to just start moving. It's much easier to steer a moving bus than to get a still standing one moving. So often God is just going to call you and say, hey, just start moving, just start trying, just step out and go in the direction of whatever you're thinking you need to do in order to respond to my word, I will guide you along the way. And God did for Abraham. I mean, God gave him directions on the way, promises on the way. And for Abram, it resulted in him becoming the father of our faith. That's a pretty important title. But it didn't come with a perfect walk either. I mean, Abraham made a whole lot of mistakes along the way, um, but he kept responding. He kept responding to the word of God. So initially we start, respond to the word of God by stepping into this relationship with him, but it's going to take more than that to keep continuing in the word of God, keep continuing in his way and let his kingdom way be your, your way that you walk. Think about this. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son back to him. Now, I, I don't know about the social standards at that time, um, and whether there would be any perse- you know, prosecution of such a deed. But the bottom line is, he had to, he had to face being known as a son killer. That at the very least would have been a, it's like a natural circumstance that could make you think twice about doing a thing like that. Yet he trusted that God knew what he was doing when he said to him, Hey, come sacrifice your son. And he kept responding to the word of God. Now we know God never really wanted him to sacrifice his son. He was trying to get him to understand a principle. And also he was laying down a prophecy of how what he as God would do one day for us to atone for our sins. But Abram had to respond in faith and keep following God and trusting God that he knew what he was doing the next character i chose to talk about was moses now moses was a little bit more I'm, I'm a little bit more like moses needing a lot of persuasion to respond to the word of god and i don't know about you but bless you if you're if you just respond always perfectly but i don't <laughs> i often have a hard time um just figuring out is this you what are you really saying and and i need i need i need often i need that first kind of landing spot to know where i'm going to go next and Um, you know, it's, it's good. God, most of the time does provide that. Um, but even if he doesn't, we're, we're called to trust him and move forward. Moses in Exodus five says to Pharaoh, he says to Pharaoh this, he says, the God of Israel says to you, to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now, backtrack a little, God first said to Moses, you need to go. And Moses was like, "Uh -uh, no, wrong person. That calling is my brother Aaron's calling. You know, he's the one that talks. I I do sheep. He does talking. Okay, so um, send him. And God said, no, 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 no. I don't call you because you can do this. I called you because I want you to do this. And I'm going to prepare you to do this along the way. And I appreciate, you know, life coaching and I appreciate um, personality testing and all of those things are really awesome because they do give us self-knowledge to make wise decisions about what we do. But those things are not our Lord. We should follow Jesus regardless of whether he is, you know, whether it looks like on paper, whether we can do this or not. There's so many stories of people that stepped out that were disqualified by people. But God had called them to do what they needed to do. And because they responded, salvation followed. So Moses goes to this Pharaoh, a guy called Pharaoh. He's the ruler of Egypt, one of the, one of the most powerful dynasty at that time on earth. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh's response is absolutely predictable. Because a Pharaoh was considered by his people as a god. And there were other Egyptian gods, but the Pharaoh was also a god, and Pharaoh considered himself a god of this dynasty. And so, when Moses comes and says, "Hey, the the god of the Israelites, who are Pharaoh's slaves, is telling you let my people go," so naturally he goes, "A puny god is telling me to let you know his slave people go. I'm not going to respond to that. I'm god of this area, All right?" Moses keeps going because even if it doesn't make sense, even if there's resistance, if God called you to respond to his word, you need to keep going. I've often heard Christians believe in this whole open door theology that says if there's an open door, it is God. Uh-uh, not true. No, confirmation, no, no uh, substance in scripture that supports that necessarily. Sometimes it could be. Sometimes it could be a distraction. Sometimes God doesn't want you to go anywhere. God wants you to stay and figure things out where you are. Sometimes God needs you to go to someplace else, and you're too scared to go. You still need to go. Sometimes God says, go, and there's no way to go, and you need to figure out how to get there, right? Um, and um, so for certain, in Moses' case, it wasn't like Pharaoh was like, hey, my long-lost brother, you know, long time no see. What's been happening? And he's like, oh, wow, so I met this other God, right, in the wilderness there kind of freaky bush that was burning and all sorts of things but you know so he kind of you need to let his people go and it's like Oprah, cool man this other god tell me about him you know and, and and none of that happened you know moses was fearing for his life every single time he appeared before pharaoh literally because if you came to these people uninvited they could kill you on the spot he didn't come there with an army he came there unarmed. He had a stick. That could become a snake. But that's about as much as the stick could do. It didn't become like an atom bomb. Just a snake. So there was, a, there was a, a reality that was going down that we often miss if we just go like, Oh yeah, he stepped up to Pharaoh. He stepped up to who? He stepped up to Pharaoh? That guy's lost his mind. You don't just step up to Pharaoh and start telling him what to do. That means you're dead right there and then. Yet Moses obeyed. Every single time he goes back to Pharaoh, he puts his life on the line to go and respond to the word of God. But you know what's amazing? Because of Moses' persistence, the God of Egypt eventually submits through a little persuasion. To the word of God. Even Pharaoh responded to the word of God. It's amazing. Point number three is the mother of Christ responded to the word of God. Angel appeared to Mary in Luke 138. He said, Behold, she said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. It's amazing if you think about this. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Those words literally ushered in the salvation of mankind. Let that sink in. Salvation is the result of our obedience to the word of God. Do you know that the word salvation, biblically, just doesn't just mean that you go to heaven. It means that you receive the John 10.10 10 life now. It means that you get well-being in every part of your life, physically, emotionally, spiritually. When we respond to the word of God, salvation is the product. Salvation is the product. And thankfully, there was a person called Mary who were humble enough to say, Lord, at your word, let it be according to me. And then our disciples, the story of the disciples that just shows all their imperfections and all their mistakes for us to learn from, thankfully. Here's the thing, we don't have to be perfect before we start responding to the Word of God. You start responding to the Word of God right where you are at, with what you are, who you are currently. Think about who Jesus called to be His disciples, right? One was a thief, one was a traitor, one was a political rebel, and probably, you know, wanted. Some others were just nobodies, raggedy fishermen. Nobody had necessarily a foot to stand on to say, yeah, I deserve to be called. Yet they responded. Come on. We don't, need a, we don't need to say, oh, I understand why God called me because of this, you know, because I am this person or because I am that or not. God calls everyone and anyone. And if he calls you, it's because he wants you to respond not go into a self-consideration mode of thinking, well, why could it be that he wants me to go? No. He's got that figured out. You just respond. Sometimes we respond wrong. We respond in the opposite direction like Jonah. The guy got swallowed by the fish. But you know what? The grace of God is so awesome. Even if you say no to him, we're going to talk about that in a second. Even if you say no to him, He will work it around and he will work in your heart until you respond right to him. And what happened when Jonah did respond right? A city was saved. A city was saved when Jonah started responding to the word of God. Now, just a quick thought on on responding in the negative. So if you call yourself a Christian, you have become a child of God. You consider yourself being one of God's children. And you have acknowledged Jesus as the Lord of your life. Am I right? That's kind of what you know we do as Christians. Jesus, you're the Lord of my my life. So did you guys know that the word Lord literally means owner? Owner. And this is not just a it's not just a um you know a nice thing to say or to explain our devotion or to explain just his awesomeness. It's an actual legal fact. Jesus is our owner, and you know how that happened. It happened like this. You see, every one of us had an unpayable unpayable debt. If I mess up my language, just be proud of me that I can also talk another language. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes English is like airtime. It runs out. And then you have to reload. That means sleep, which I can't do now. But I'm going to be good until the end. Don't worry. So, Jesus, we were born with a, a sinful nature. And the penalty, the payment for that sinful nature is simple. You just have to die for it. It's very easy. Now anybody can die for their own sin. The problem is if you die in your sinful condition, it means you'll be eternally separated from God. Some people choose to do it. And God goes, hey, I'm not going to... I'm not going to mess around with your right to choose where you spend eternity. If you choose to not accept my lordship, that's your decision. I'll honor your decision. But it's your decision. You can choose to pay for your own sin. But I have a better alternative. And this was his alternative. He decided to come and become a man. And to live a life that we couldn't live and die the death that you and I were meant to die. And here's how I know that he, because he became Lord by rising from the dead and overcoming death, right? Like he's death's boss. And here's how I know he, he, was, he lived a sinless life because he was able to rise from the dead. Because if he had sin in his life, he would still be in the grave because he'd only paid for his own sin. Death had no hold on Jesus. He died an innocent man. And that's why death couldn't hold him. And that's why he could overcome death. And now he's essentially paid a price and he's got a credit because he didn't owe it. He didn't owe the debt. But we owe the debt. And so often we talk about The gospel just in terms of God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it's this amazing story of God's love. But there's a different side of the coin that you cannot separate from the story of God's love. And it is the justice of God. He had to come as a man. He had to live like a man. He had to die as a man. And he had to be raised from the dead as a man in order for him to legally qualify to buy us free from the debt that you and I have to pay as men. And he did all that. And if we receive his his salvation by believing what he did and confessing him as Lord, here's what's happened. Here's what happens. A legal transaction takes place. You get bought out of your debt. And you no longer have to pay it. But guess what? You You don't belong to yourself then anymore either. He has bought you. With a very expensive price, by the way. But he paid it all. And we sing all these songs, and this is the reality of it. So in essence, when we say yes to Jesus, to follow Jesus, he becomes our Lord. He takes ownership of our lives. And it's a legal transaction, and it's a necessary transaction. Otherwise, we still have to go through that legality. We still have to pay all that for ourselves. If we don't accept his payment... We still have to pay for it ourselves. But if we'll respond to his calling to say, hey, come unto me, then that applies to us. And what happens then when we die is we die, but we die in a reconciled state. And we spend eternity with God because we've been reconciled with him. And that's how it works. And, and that's why when he he says when, when we say no, Lord, it's a very big contradiction because we can't really say no to the one who owns us. Our only response really can be yes, Lord. I want to encourage you, though. Sometimes it's not easy to respond to God's calling, right? Sometimes it's, it's, it's really hard. Like I'm going to be sharing a little bit about our story now and how we got to the place where we were able to respond to God's calling. Um, to come here Um, but even if we respond like Jonah I want to encourage you God won't leave you there he'll journey with you and he'll bring you back to journey to, to respond right to his word but when you do respond to his word know that there's salvation waiting to take place as a result of it so don't delay it Just rather believe believe that he has your best interest at heart and respond. So here's a little of our journey. Um, Oh, let me just say this first. If you follow God's process, you'll end up with his product. But if you follow your own process, then you end up with your product, which is far inferior to the one of the Almighty. So trust God with the process. Even if it's difficult, even if it goes directions that you never thought it would go, Trust him. Keep following because his product is going to be awesome. Um, yeah, so basically this is who I was. I was a, I've been in ministry for 16 years. I've always been a student college campus pastor in the movement that I'm from back home. The one that one of the churches to which um, Pastor Josh and Pastor Zach and, and the team came to do ministry mission uh, at and. Um, and I've led campus ministries from leading my own campus ministry college, being the, the, the ministry leader of the, of the pastor of the, of the student campus ministry, to overseeing a, a group of campuses, being led by a couple of teams, uh, to being involved in co-leading our national campus ministry that um, reached out to about 30 campuses, university campuses in our nation. And I was also involved in conversations globally on just... Where we go to, how do we do campus ministry better? Where do we go to next? What mission trips do we take to what campuses in order to try and, tr- and plant more churches in those regions? And so I just I've been involved in all that for all my life. And <clears throat> in 2012 we moved to Cape Town from Pottersdorp, where Pastor Willem Now is the senior leader. Um, him sending us there to um to lead campus ministry there and in 2014 i was appointed as the citywide director of our campus ministry and i was preparing for my first strat planning meeting and as i was preparing i heard the holy spirit say to me that you have three years and then you need to hand over because then your campus ministry season is going to come to an end so i was like man i i'm just beginning to start here (laughs) but okay lord and uh so I went to the planning meeting, and I, and I shared it with the team. I said to them, hey, guys, God really, really clearly told me that, you know, in 2017, I need to be ready to hand over everything because then my, my campus ministry season is transitioning into something new. I don't know what, but something new. That I did. And so we put a plan together, and I started working that, and God was, you know, so awesome and faithful. And even though we made some mistakes, we got to a place eventually where we started handing over things, um, and uh, I was I – was, in 2017, entered into 2017, and I just had to hand over a couple more portfolios, and so it felt like everything was, you know, working fine, and uh, the things were mostly in place that we wanted to get in place, and and so I felt like I was on a good run, you know, and uh, um, I heard what God was saying, I responded to it, and it was working out, and then 2017 came, and I started, I started engaging our leadership on what could be what could be next for us? You know, where do we go to next? And so I had a couple of ideas. And, but every time I would share it, it was like, mm, no, no, no. It's not time for that yet. And then um, I would be like, okay, I can do this. And then like, mm, we already have somebody in mind for that. And it was like, hello? <laughs> 2017, everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, brrr, nothing wants to work out. It's just like, Lord, what's happening? Nothing's happening. Something should be happening. You said I must transition in 2017, and I'm trying to transition here. Can you can you open up the way for us? And it was just a it was just a frustrating time that we couldn't understand things. I I had this clear understanding of what God was saying to us, yet in the natural nothing was working, and it I I didn't know why. And we were praying, and we were etc. And um. We even received confirmations on, on various ways that, you know, this, what we're doing is right. We need, we need to hand over. And so I was, I was preparing and I was trying and getting ready and handing over my work to other leaders, which would mean that, okay, so why do we pay you again? Cause they're doing the work now, so what you're gonna do? is Like, so I'm giving away my work, <laughs> and also my reason for income, <laughs> and I'm like, nothing's opening up for me to have a reason to get something from this, and so it's it's kind of scary, you know, when you're in that place, we you, you don't understand it, and we had to we had to keep going, keep 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 going, keep going until everything started making sense. About a, about a year later, actually. Um, and uh, things happened, and stuff were delayed, and we couldn't get meetings, and eventually we had meetings early in 2018. And based on those meetings, you know, it was like, okay, still nothing's opening up. At some point, I, we made some decisions on what to do that would, you know, bring us forward. But I knew that this wasn't what God was saying we, we needed to get into, but we did it for the sake of our church and for the sake of uh, the, the, the leadership group that we, where we were at. And uh, um, I called one of my spiritual fathers and um, Pastor Vellum. I, I explained the situation to him and I said to him, well, what do you do in a situation like this? And um, he gave me a couple of ideas of what I could do, but then he said, but I have a, I have a hunch that you should speak to Pastor Baba. And I'm like, Pastor American Baba? Cause that's the, he's like, yeah. That, do you have another Baba? I said, no, I don't have another Baba. I should go on, Baba. It's the one in America, Pastor Baba. And uh, I said to him, ah, ah, I don't think I feel like moving to America yet. It's, uh, it's not been on my, you know, bucket list uh, of things to do. Um, and uh, so I said to him, so, yeah, I don't think that's the one we need to take. Uh, we, need to, we need to pray a little bit more. And so he said, all right, that's good, but I think you should just have the conversation. I said, all right, good, I'll, I'll honor you. I'll, I'll have the conversation with Pastor Baba. So I called Pastor Baba and I said to him, hey, Pastor Baba, Pastor Willem, um, you know, he suggested I have a talk with you about just you know, some ministry position or thing that you guys want filled. Um, what, it, what is it about? And so Pastor Baba started talking about where they are at as a church and what, is the, what the need is, what the, the position is that they need to be filled right now. Um, and I was, I was looking at my wife and I'm going, and uh i was like but why america? that's this big nation. why do they need us? isn't there another little destitute nation somewhere in you know africa that needs god needs to send us to why america and it, it just didn't make sense at all. and um so i was like okay thank you pastor Bubba. we'll we'll really go pray about this and um so we were trying to pray about it. We, we we couldn't hear the Lord. There was too many voices, too many things. So I said to Esther, "Hey, you know what? Let's let's listen to our prophetic words over the over the last couple of years." So I've been blessed that people from a young age taught me to record whenever somebody gives you a prophetic word to record it and to keep it. And uh, um, we have a reel of of over thirty minutes of prophetic messages and encouragement that's just been given to us that we've that we've kept and some some things that you know text. Uh, words that we've just recorded and saved because they're amazing to keep track of what God said to you when and why and why you are where you currently at it's awesome to look back and realize that man this is why we're here because we responded to the word of God and then we heard the word of God about this and this is why we're here now it helps you remain sane so we were listening to this and it's amazing. It's like this little story that unfolded of, of our movements over the years and why we stayed where we stayed and why we went where we went. And it's, it's awesome. And then in 2016, end of 2016, all of a sudden, it's like it, it shifted. The message shifted that it, it was consistent all that time. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, wait, something is about to happen. Something is about to change. Get ready. Something is about to um, shift. And we were like, we haven't heard that before. But it's like the same words we've been listening to, you know, regularly. But listening it, it, to it in succession like that literally just brought like, a, like a, a line in the sand where something shifted. And we recognized that and we started listening more intently. And then we started hearing uh, prophetic words that, that where God was saying that he was birthing a new nation in our, in our, in our hearts and that he's going to send us. And we never heard it like that before for some reason. But now we suddenly heard it, so we realized, man, we need to we need to start listening. We need to start praying about this because this is, I think, we might be onto something. And so we we started praying. We said, Lord, we're listening. We're listening. We're not we're not uh, we're not arguing anymore. We're listening. Tell us, is that what you want? Is this what you want us to do? Man, crazy confirmations. People started getting dreams about us, um, sending us text messages, calling us, Hey, what's happening? Uh, we just got this weird dream about you. And when they explained the dream, it's like. The conclusion is, you need to move to Jennings. And then they gave us the text message. And the conclusion is, you need to move to Jennings. And we're like, no, why is this possible? And and uh, um, one of the words was so amazing. And, and it said, an opportunity has come up. It is a good move. God is going to remove all security from you. But then he's going to fold you with security again when you're there. And then some promises about the season that was to come. And we were just blown We knew that God spoke to us that day, that we needed to come to Jennings. But the process of hearing and responding to God's word came from 2014. Through 2017, a very difficult season, a complete I am lost about what God is doing beginning of 2018 to this point in early early April where we realized for the first time what God was actually saying us we need to do. But if we hadn't pursued this, we wouldn't have had the April moment because the April moment was a result of our actions, of figuring it out, of responding to God's word, of getting things in place so that we would be without work so that we can move and assume a different position in another place. Right? All this to say a couple of things. Number one, that when we respond to God's word, it doesn't mean that it's going to go easy or smooth from there. It's just not it's just not Bible. When you respond to God's word, read the Bible. What happened to people when they responded to God's word? It's not all smooth sailing from there. It can be, but it isn't necessarily. And my experience in reality has been that there has always been some challenges, even in the midst of some really big breakthroughs and some things that just like, man, the Holy Spirit went ahead of us and prepared the way. When we got on that road, all of a sudden there was stuff that we needed to deal with. And the same for this time around. When we got on this road, another couple of things started happening that we had to deal with. And, um, you know, first thing was we we needed to sell our business. And it wasn't ready to be sold. We needed at least another three years to build that thing up to a place where we could sell it for a profit. So we ended up taking a knock. And we lost a lot of money from that. And I was, I was wrestling with God about this. I said, well, How can you call me to do something that causes me, to, causes me to lose money? And this is what God told me. He says, I'm good for it. I'm good for it. And what I got out of that was like, all right. Well, then whatever I lose there, I'll probably get it back. And I just trusted that he knew what he was doing. So we sold that business. We felt like failures for a bit. We did. Until we could get around this whole thing that God doesn't need, didn't need that um, income stream to provide for us. And that he needed us to let go of that so that he could bring us to where he wanted us to go. And I'll end with a testimony to conclude that part of the story. Another thing that we needed to do was we needed to sell our house. This was an easy one. We sold the house in five days. Excuse me. We sold the house in five days. We signed our business away in a week, in seven days. But it took like seven months before we could probably properly hand it over. And if those of you sold a business before, sometimes the the auditing and all those things that you need to do in South Africa, there's a lot of regulation when it comes to small selling small businesses and um, you know consumer protection acts and all those legalities that you have to run through and Revenue uh, regulations, etc. It was a massive thing, and it and every time we had to deal with it, we knew that we're doing this to lose money, not to make money. <laughs> every time we had to respond with more information and more breakdowns of more numbers of more blah 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 blah. Every time we had to go like help this person set up her shop, you know, and, and, and we do, We were doing that to lose money, <laughs> not to get money. But we were responding to the word of God in it. Number two, point number two is just because you're responding to God doesn't mean that you won't have to lay down things. And here's the bad thing. Our kids had to lay down things. They had to lay down their friends, their schools. They had to lay down their grandparents, interaction with their grandparents. We, had, we just had to let go of a whole lot of things that are security to us. But knowing that Abram went and left his family to respond to the word of God and what that brought, what that led to, gave us faith that maybe God, maybe God can do the same for us. Maybe he can use that in a little way in, in America, that some good would come from us moving, moving here if we lay down those things. And we had that promise that said that, um, we had a promise a, a prophetic promise somebody that gave us a promise that said God is going to restore whatever you have lost um, and, and we took that as as not just money but we took that as relationships support friendships everything we need I mean, I'm a human being I need buddies I need people around me I can't do life like just on my own I ain't strong enough yeah alright so Number three, it doesn't mean that you won't need to use your faith to make it happen. Let me conclude with a little story. So God gave us this amazing um, waiting period to rest up and prepare, etc. And then our visas got approved, right? And the rest is details of us getting us here. Apparently not. Sometimes the devil gets into the details. And so, I mean, we got our visas and everybody's just going, yeah, we got our visas. We're taking pictures. We're you know, posting it online, you know, with our visas far enough from the camera so that people can see the details. Close enough so you can see it. It's a visa. You know, God came through. And then we heard, no, you have to make a visa appointment in your own country as well before you can get on a plane. I'm like, what? Okay, I thought they were going to email us the visas or post it or whatever. So we go, how do we make a? How do we make an appointment? No, so you have to go online and then you have to go and submit a stuff you know your stuff and then, and then you, can, you can book an appointment at the consulate U.S. consulate okay we get there guess what the first opportunity available opening for an appointment it's 12 February this year it's like a week ago man where the wind is knocked out of our sails we're like serious when we were just there and no they're like uh uh-uh. uh so then start of a little tennis match like visas got approved yay you can only have your appointment 12 february like oh man you serious like no we're not going to settle for this this is not what we trusted for how can so i'm calling people how can you get early appointment now you have to watch the website right so when there's an opening that opens then you can book that opening but there's no other way you can get an earlier appointment so i'm like so you're saying to me I have to pray that somebody else cancels their appointment, right? Is that even Christian to do that? I'm thinking about this. I'm like, Lord, we want an earlier appointment. You know we need to get to that place. Because there was a lot of circumstances that really legitimately we needed to get you early. It wasn't just our desire. We need, our kids needed a couple of things. I'm like, Lord, help us. Help everybody. But help us also. And so... At one point, Esther's. we're sitting in the lounge, and she's like, I feel we should watch We should check the website. We should check the website. We get online, and sure enough, there's an appointment 15th of January. We're like, yeah. Hit that ball back to the other side. And uh, um, so we find out, man, school starts 7th January. Our kids are already like a semester behind and you know, it's like, man, this is too late. We can't go 15 January by that time. We, you know, plane tickets and everything, we'll get here by the end of January. Oh, man, it's too late still. Oh, I'm like, man, we got to get an earlier appointment. So I call them again, hey, how can we get an earlier appointment? So, like, no, you can apply for an emergency uh, expedition. I'm like, yes, I go online, go check out, okay, you, the reasons, you know, reasons, good reasons for applying for an uh, emergency appointment. Um, somebody's about to die, somebody died, you're about to die, you need medical attention. If you're not close to dying, or nobody's close to dying close to you, don't apply. I'm like, what? I'm not coming to America to die. But I want to expedite an appointment. So we're like, my wife and I, we pray, we said, Lord, we're going to give them our reasons, and we're going to trust you to give us favor. So we put in our reasons, and it has nothing to do with dying. It has everything to do with life, and living, and, man we got approved they gave us an appointment 5th of january wow we thought we hit the winner we're celebrating we're calling everybody hey back home you know we got our appointment 5th of january it's all sorted thank you for praying what did y'all celebrate uh, 5th of december last year yeah the memorial service of president george bush so I got an email. That says, your appointment has been canceled because we've declared a public holiday because we're doing the memorial uh, day for President George Bush. I'm like, oh, I can't even be mad at that. I still want to be mad at that, but I can't be mad at that. We did a, you know, it's a, it's a, so I'm like, I'm calling them. Hey, you guys canceled our appointment. They're like, yeah, but don't worry. You can just go online and book another one. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> that takes forever. And we just had an emergency expedited appointment. Is there nothing thing you can do? He's like, no, so we have to book that appointment. Guess where they booked us? 15 January. Bah! I'm like, no! So I'm talking to this lady. I said, all right, good. At least it's not February. But you know what we really need? Is there any way we can still do the appeal? Because the, uh, the, the online system will only allow you to do it once. She said, oh, I can do that for you. I'm like, yeah, come on, do that for us. So she did it for us, and we got our appointment at the eleventh of December, and we arrived on soil the nineteenth of December. Praise God. I'm telling you a little bit of detail on this to say this that it doesn't mean that when you've heard from God, there's going to be no struggle involved. There's going to be just smooth sailing from there. That you're not going to have to let down lay down certain things, and you're not going to have to use your faith to break through into the promise of God. You still have to keep going you still have to exercise your faith and practice your character and your trust in God to get to that but when you do the result is salvation when you do the result is breakthrough the result is answers to to prayers promises being fulfilled and my hope here today is just that this little story inspires some of you to trust God and to step out I don't know what he's been on your case about you starting or you doing responding whether it's you know stepping out big and moving somewhere whether it's finally settling and realizing that you need to be here whether it's you having to reach out to a person a friend a child a parent fix a relationship start a business Go and say sorry to somebody. Whatever it is that God is telling you to do, I'm hoping that you will just go and do it. Just trust Him with the outcome. Just say at your word, Lord, I will, I will respond and I will obey.